Welcome to the Rave Room Podcast, your premier destination for all things electronic music. Join us as we dive into the world of DJs, producers, promoters, sound engineers and more as we explore every part of the electronic music scene. Listen, I have a deal for you. Hit that subscribe button to never miss an episode and leave a review and I promise you with your support we will continue to grow the show and bring you the best content possible. Together let's amplify the electronic music scene and grow the show. I'll see you on the dance floor. Coming up in this episode... With Cable, we had Spencer Parker, we had Anthea, we had Russ Yallop and Jordan Peake. We had a thousand people and they absolutely loved it. Covering Adam Bayer in 10,000 people. Today I'm getting a glass thrown at me. I've sworn to, to, to God now that I will never, ever, uh, and I don't care who sees this, will use another uh, DJ agency ever again because they just they just take the utter piss. And I gave Hot Since 82 his first London gig. You know, he was like fourth on the bill. I was I was getting DJs that were about to blow that weren't locked with any of the with fabric or any of the gatekeepers in London. Um, we could get them. So many DJs just they obviously send a blanket message out, hi yeah, I love your event, looks great, I'd love to play. Then I say, Have you been to Connected? No. Well, do you know what I mean? Are you gonna come to the next one? No. Well, I'm not just gonna book you then. So welcome back to another Rave Room podcast, and today I've got a, a great gentleman on, 30 years in the game with London's Jesse James. Welcome aboard, mate. How you doing, mate? Thanks for having me. No worries, no worries. So Finally. Yeah, mate. I mean, we were, I was ill, and you, you know, I'm glad you got your laptop. <laughs> I smashed sorted, my yeah. laptop, <laughs> one thing yeah. after another. Yeah, we're finally here, though. Yeah, it's just the way she goes, but um, I'm glad we got it going, and uh, mm. so with all my guests I sort of sort of go back to where it all started really like your inspirations and how you got into it I mean as you just said this is 30 years of me being a DJ and a promoter so my first ever proper gig was in 1993 um when I was 18 years old um I was a a record collector from way before that though I mean, both my parents were heavily uh, into music. My dad was in a band. My dad was a drummer. My mum's best friend was uh, Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders. Oh, yeah. So I, I was, um, you know, my, me and my sister was sort of brought up around music from, you know, from babies. So it's heavily influenced from our parents. Um, I was just a little bit too young for when the the British rave scene kicked off. Uh, I was all, sort of in my last year at school. Um, when the you know like 88 89 sort of hit and my bigger sister and older friends from the area was going to the raves and whatever you and me and my mates absolutely loved it but we couldn't go but so we would you know we would all buy the records and a couple of them had decks and we'd all just sit and play the tunes and listen to pirate radio like sunrise and fantasy and center force um all on the you know the fm dial back in like 89 90. And the moment I left school at 16, 1991, when the, the music had changed over to a bit of like hardcore uh, raves, but they were still full on raves. Yeah, then we'd yeah. all go out like 50 handed to like, as soon as we could get in um, to these big raves um, all around the country. And that was when I got my first set of decks because that was it. I was just, just hooked them at 16 years old. Uh, I'd left school um we all sort of found 
um, you know, narcotics uh, side of things before we actually entered the rave. Um, we were so young, so we were ready for it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, not to glamorise it, but we were ready and we knew all about it. And the music just sort of took us. A um, couple of years of doing that until, fast forward till I was 18, I, um, I went off travelling to Australia and nice. went to Sydney. And um, out there where they were a couple of years behind us, their rave scene had just hit then. So I was out yeah. there, um, a wide-eyed 18-year-old Peckham boy, and told everybody that would listen that I was a DJ uh, from London. I wasn't at all. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> even mix a cake. And um, luckily for me, um, my big sister was out there, and she was friends with like, a lot of the guys that, that were putting parties on, the ravers and, and the promoters and the DJs. And I got myself um, uh, a little warm-up set from a guy from Maidstone, funny enough. He sure. was um, he was bringing out the likes of Cole Cox and Sasha and people like that from the UK and putting on big raves. And he was also doing like weekly smaller things. And he was like, okay, Jesse, if you know, you're know you a DJ, you can play the first set at my, my you know, weekly event in Bondi. And um, he would put me on like nine till 10 and it would just be me and him in the DJ booth, and he'd play with the lights, and I would just like crash music about and not not knowing what I was doing. Yeah. It was only recently. I, I wondered why there was no one ever in there, and uh, he only recently told me that uh, the club weren't even open till ten o'clock. I was playing to just literally him. The doors weren't even open. He was yeah, just yeah. like giving me some experience. I thought I was DJing in the club, but I wasn't. Um, it was an hour before it opened, and um, it was out there that I you know, started buying records again because I was out there for over a year and um, I moved in a shared house and they had some decks there. And um, it was it was actually DJ Sasha that gave me um, some great, like, um, some great advice because obviously I, I wanted that. What all I wanted to do was be a DJ. And I remember being on a boat party, uh, like a morning after party thing on a boat with him um, and loads of, like, clubbers and that all English people and um I just must have driven him mad and he gave me two bits of advice and he said look get two records that you love that you really like that you think they sound the same don't worry about any others and just keep practicing with those two tracks just keep doing it until keep doing it until it clicks and then mm. then you've got it so that's what I did I went back the next morning and he also said start your own lane. If you, no one's going to give you any bookings, start your own parties. So then like the following week, that was it. I was going to start putting parties out in Sydney. So I came back in about 90, end of 94 from Australia, a fully fledged DJ and promoter. I'd yes. gone out there and I couldn't mix a cake and I was just like waffling, but I came back and I knew what I was doing. I knew what I wanted to do. And I just hit the ground running when I got back to London. Um, so, where I lived, I mean, I grew up in Peckham, and there was a um, there was a massive, massive, very famous jungle club there called Laserdrome, and they had Laser a back room. room. Yeah, out. This is how it went back in them days. That you'd have your jungle room, and then you'd have they call it a chill out room, but there was mm. DJs playing early house music, and I always found myself in there, like just really digging the early like nineties house music, bit early MK kind of stuff. Victor Simonelli. It was a bit more me than the jungle, you know. Yeah, yeah. So um, I got myself a booking because um, I knew the woman there. Luckily, it's not, again, it's not, you know, what you know, it's who you know. And um, I told her, 
Her name was Maria. She's uh, she's passed away now. God bless her. She gave me my first London booking at the Laser Drive in the house room. I mean, I'm talking there's like 2,000 people across two rooms and she threw me right in the deep end. I played after Fabio and um, I played one till three and it was my first set in London. And um, I turned up with about 80 of my mates because we were all from Peckham. So we all walked there and they was all just standing there laughing at me for the first five minutes and, you know, giving me hand gestures and what have you. And then obviously all shot off into the jungle room and just left me to it. And from then I was just hooked. She gave me a few more dates and then... I was just trying to do everything I could to to get you know myself um, a, a, a more bookings in London in South London and what, where I had a load of mates is it, it was the same thing as like fast forward twenty years with the DJs selling tickets. If you can bring a crowd, you're getting bookings. Do you know what I mean? And For I sure, always yeah. used to I always used to turn up with a load of people. And um, I started getting bookings around, you know, around New Cross and around Old Kent Road and places like that. And it all just went from there, really. Um, yeah. So uh, that's how that's how it's been going for the last 30 years. That's that's amazing, mate, because, um, again, I, I, I'm going to revert back to when you said about getting in the club and it weren't even open yet. Uh, I so, mean, that... that's so funny. He didn't even tell me to like, a couple of years ago. <laughs> I think it's I think it's good though because then that way you can sort of get used to the gear and that and oh yeah sound like sound test it and all that yeah yeah I mean I went out there I didn't have any records I went out there, he said right I'm going to give you some bookings like and I went out bought my records and I was just learning there you know um, but I think if you want it enough and you know and you take people's advice and you, you know you, you, you will get there um, my music taste uh, has never really changed apart from, you know, quite a few years in the um, mid to late 90s. I um, I fell in love with Garage because the house music that I was playing was getting a little bit hard. It was getting a bit, you know, sort of yeah. fast and a bit harder. And one day, it was a Sunday, actually, um, me and my friends went out on, um, fell into a club called the Paradise Club in Islington. And... Um, the music was completely different. This was like 94, 95. And mm. it would have been like Matt Jam Lamont playing, I think. And it was just a sound that I'd never heard before. And it was so cool. And this was right at the beginning of what I, what we know now as UK Garage. And I mean, I just fell in love with that. And I just, from then, I, 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 that's my sort of taste turned that way. And that coincided with me finding a radio show um, on London's Upfront FM. Um which was around 96 then, I think. And um, I was one of the um, original DJs there, which went on to be one of the biggest stations in London. Um, I was on there for like nine years, every Saturday afternoon and Monday night. A lot nice. of people will remember me from that. That was 99.3 FM. And um, yeah, I rode the wave of that sound for, for quite a few years. But then again, my my interest in that sort of tailed off when it got very MC led and a very you know sort mm. of it got a bit dark for me and then I found my love back into house music again because house music had changed. I've always been on that four four kind of sound, you know, and um, and then you know by the time I fell out of that sort of sound, I came off the radio because I I, I was feeling more of the house the early defected kind of stuff around mm. year two thousand two thousand and one. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, f I found myself playing in various parties and various bars and whatever you 
doing that kind of stuff. I've always had um, short sort of spell residencies in places. I love a residency, but none of them, unfortunately, have lasted longer than a year or so for one reason or another. But, you know, where I'd play like five, six, seven hours and just teaching myself, especially as a crafter set, because you're going in there and you're playing at eight o'clock when there's nobody in there. And then you're playing as it gets a bit later and it gets a bit busier, you, you know, how to craft a proper set. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, 2006, um, my then girlfriend got pregnant and we had our daughter. And I was like, right, shit, I better grow up now and I better, uh, I better do something and look, you know, start something for you know i'm gonna i'm a dad now so mm. i um so i launched my still going brand connected yeah. then um wow. so it's, it's just fallen in line with my daughter's 18th so connected of which i've got one this saturday um in east london is um 18 years old the same age as my daughter wow so then that run parallel with my my dj career for the last 18 years yeah, yeah. um and i think as i say Ever since I come back from Australia when I was nineteen, almost twenty, um, I've played pretty much every single weekend, and I've that's been, insane. you know, uh, that, that's what I've done since two thousand and nine. I've just been fully self-employed. Before that, I worked for a record company um, called Pinnacle Records, a distribution yeah. company, um, and you know, made some great contacts over the years. But I've just got been out, you know, on my own since two thousand and nine running this thing now and yeah uh still going been in the game a long time mate i mean yeah bloody long time it 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 was good when you mentioned about uh sasha with the two records because i listened to the same with fat tony about him getting into dj and there was no Mm. there was no uh dj or the dj felt ill or something and he played two records a side and b side just all night long. I must have driven, but the but thing is, I've never forgotten the the the, the uh, advice he did give me. Like he also said another thing that has always stuck with me as well. He said, "Don't play vocal, then another vocal, then another vocal, then another vocal." He said, "If you play a vocal track and then about six or seven sort of dubs or instrumentals, and then drop another vocal, the impact on that track will blow the roof." And I've mm-hmm. always sort of kept to that sort of ethos as well. And especially, as I say, he said about um, starting my own lane and starting my own night, because I'm seeing that a lot now um, at the moment, like in, you know, 24, which is good. A lot of these, I mean, there's so many DJs now. There's a lot more DJs than there ever has been. But a lot of them are starting their own nights. And that is what I did back then in the 90s, um, because no one else really is going to do it for you. If you know what I mean, no one's going to, because there's so many DJs and that's where the ticket thing came from. Because there wasn't enough, you know, DJs doing their own thing. So they just all wanted bookings. So promoters could sort of utilise that. But now I, I, I see it like there's a lot more nights now as well. So that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, a, a question I would ask you then is, because I get a lot of DJs and producers watch this, uh, watch this show, yeah. and what would your advice be for upcoming DJs? What do you look for for new DJs, you know, for like getting on the warm-up? You know what, I really, I, I'm a bit, you know, because I'm, I'm quite a uh, sensitive soul. And I, 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 a big for me now, especially when I've got to the big old age I am, loyalty and a bit of respect and a bit of, you know, coming out to a night when you're not playing. I can, I, I can count on one hand. Of all the DJs that I've had in the 18 years that have gone through my hands, and a lot of them have gone on to do huge things, and we can talk about that in a minute. Um yeah. They, 
DJs don't seem to want to turn up and support your night that they want to play at when they're not playing. Now, there is a, like, as I say, a handful on one hand that I can count. And those DJs, and that goes a long, long way with myself and another lot of promoters that I know. Come and support the night if you want to play at it. And, you know, so many DJs just, they obviously send a blanket message out. Hi, yeah, I love your event. It looks great. I'd love to play. Then I say, have you been to Connected? No. Well, do you know what I mean? Are you going to come to the next one? No. Well, I'm not just going to book you then. Things like that. Obviously, first and foremost is their talent. Okay. That, and, you know, but anyone can mix now. We're not playing vinyl anymore. You know, I've seen DJs out there and I mean, I've never used it, but it's sync button. You know, my daughter could mix on CDJs when she was 11 and, and like within 10 minutes. It's not hard. It's not hard to beat match, is it? So, you know, all of that, and you know, musical selection is obviously that comes with age. Um, but but just actually the way you present yourself means a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and a little bit of loyalty. Don't go, don't go amiss. Yeah, I've I've uh, spoke to a lot of DJs like obviously over here in in Vancouver because the scene here is really really good. It's really building up. There's a lot of talented people, but not enough clubs for them people. Like any yeah. sort of thing, right? But there was a there's um, a couple of English lads that started a thing. Uh, a, a night and uh, they got thrown their first festival um, a couple of Irish guys have been thrown in festivals and events as well and there's a couple of Spanish guys that have opened two clubs but the latest one they've got they've they've got Horton in um, got some big names in now yeah and again when I ask them they say exactly the same thing come and show your face just once yeah. is all you need just introduce yourself yeah. say hey man it, it's difficult for promoters here. now in London I mean it always was difficult if you're on that level because you just mentioned halting the people like that in every major city in, in the world these sort of premier djs are locked in so you've got djs in london that can't play for anybody else but fabric or can't play for anybody else other than yeah. ministry and then if you're a promoter in a in a large size venue you can't get any of those guys because they're all locked do, do you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah. so where I where at one point um, and we can talk about this later as well. Where Connected was in Cable in London Bridge, it's gone. Now. Oh yeah, I remember we were, Cable, mate. We were able to get. I mean, I gave Hot Since eighty two his first London gig. You know, he was like fourth on the bill. I was I was getting DJs that were about to blow that weren't locked with any of the with Fabric or any of the gatekeepers in London. Um, we could get them. Yeah, but now it doesn't seem to be. You can't get anybody. So it is now the chance for these young DJs to be the next big thing, you know, and yeah. especially with social media and what have you. So, you know, they can, you know, they can do it because promoters have, are not been, really being given the opportunity to book huge headliners at the moment because they are exclusive to these huge companies and festivals in, in London. So I, I, I do feel that it, it's a great time for new up and coming talent to break, but then uh, you know, and this is another story altogether. Yeah, they got to look, look, they got to see who they're being represented by. Because I've sworn to to, to God now that I will never ever, uh, and I don't care who sees this, will use another uh, DJ agency ever again because they just they just take the utter piss with yeah. prices and over just oversell their artists, and a lot of the time the artists don't even know it. You know uh, of, of how they're being represented and the crazy money they're being asked for. 
Um, so, again, if these these younger and up-and-coming DJs, it's, it's a better chance than ever for them now to, to put their stamp on the scene because yeah. these premiership DJs, Aren't getting? They're only getting like one or two a year with your fabrics or your ministries or whoever they are locked into an exclusivity deal with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's it's um because I DJ the London network as well. I did Ministry Pasha and all mm. that, and uh, you know it was it was good for people getting in to to like get on a roster with like some big artists as well. Like yeah, that you mentioned, and that's the same here. And what I'm seeing now is like you say um in a little bit hand in hand what you say is that you sometimes you see a lot of the same lineups all the time as well and yeah. i think you know like i think because a lot of people are playing it safe but do you think there's still like a a thing for promoters these days because now the djs are promoters and you know, yeah DJs, it's it's, you know. it's it's totally changed the game has totally changed um and that's why i say you know with the with the closure of Cable and Pasha and some of the other big clubs that are not, you know, they, they, I mean, I suppose you've got Fire and Lightbox, you've got Egg, but I, there's not too many more. So yeah. all everything is happening underground and at a smaller level. Um, and I think I think that's a healthy thing. But there is there are too many, you know. I mean, it's it's a bit overkill. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and- you know, I mean, going sort of back to um, when you started Connected, how was it, first of all, how did you come up with the name? And second of all, how did you break into that scene as a new event? Because I know you said like, a lot of people start their parties. How did you break into that, like well, the blueprint of it? The, the actually, the, you know, it did start from a group of DJs that, you know, my, myself and, and some friends that, that couldn't get any loads of bookings and, and we were connected. So that's where mm-hmm. the name came from. Um, we started um, actually first ever event was uh, on a Thursday night in the city, uh, a place called Bed Bar, and then we moved it over to Shoreditch to a place called Jam Bar, and then originally, so I was from Bromley, and we we had a uh, local club there that had like two AM license called BR One, and we took over Friday nights there and we just rammed it every Friday, and we'd get more and more, and then whilst we were doing that every week. We would take the back rooms at like Turnmills, another club that's gone, Pasha, yeah. another club that's gone. Um, we would take room two and room three like that. And um, we, we, I got asked if we would come in and host uh, either the bar or the main room at Ministry of Sound on a Friday because we were making a bit of noise and we were, you know, we were like the sort of the biggest club, not brand in South East London at that time. And um, we, I went in and we did we we hosted the main room and we mm-hmm. we took about eight hundred people and then straight away they was they was on us Ministry of Sound they offered me the whole club on the last Friday of every month on the premises that we didn't do anywhere else so I just did that and then that just took us to another level because we were doing like adverts street um, campaigns we were doing adverts on Kiss FM we were booking. The, this is when the electro sort of sound and scene blew, like 2006, yeah. 2007, 2008. And um, unfortunately, with the closure of um, of Turnmills, their regular Friday night, uh, the gallery, which was a big chance night, um, they needed to put that somewhere. So they took every single Friday at Ministry. We had to get out the door. Mm. Um, but... 
it was then that I was at a bit of a crossroads because I was again. I was the music got a bit silly with even with the electro house scene. You know, it was it got too much, and this was real like on the on the cusp of you know the early sort of deep house sort of sound. Uh, two thousand and eleven, mm-hmm. two thousand and twelve with the cooler stuff, and I went and sat with the guys at Cable. Now, other than Jaded on sun early Sunday mornings. They didn't have any house promoters in there. It was all dubstep. It was all, um, you know, things like that. And it was, and they were like, Jesse, look, we know you were getting these huge numbers in. If you work with us exclusively and you take a date, you pay your hire fee, if you get those numbers, we can talk about you coming in here regularly. Yeah. And we won't take another house promoter in here because it, all like the house promoters at that time all seemed to just follow each other around from club to club. You know what I mean? And that was something that used to drive me mad because I thought I was the only one that was going to be doing events at ministry. And then all of a sudden everyone's doing events at ministry. Same as Pasha, same as Egg. And then they really did stick to their word. Our first event, and um, I've got to give him props because it, my um, my resident from, from day one, uh, Johnny Bloomfield, sat me oh, down. Johnny, and he was, yeah. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny was a lot more cooler than me and he's a lot more, you know, considerate and, and you know, he knew where the music was going to go. And yeah. he was like, look, Jesse, if you want to help, if you want me to help you musically, where are we going to take Connected? You're going to have to listen to me. And we're going to, you know, totally change the the look of it with the branding and the music. And so I was like, yeah, no, no, you're right. Let's go for it. And he gave me the advice because we were going into a new venue, into Cable. And where we was having people like Will Bailey and... Um, you know, all this just mad like and uh, fake blood, all that amount sort of electric electro stuff. We had a few months off and we came again with cable. We had Spencer Parker from Berlin, uh, English, nice. but he lives in Berlin. And yeah, yeah. we had Anthea, we had uh, Russ Yallop and Jordan Peake. And they were all in our first lineup and it was all going to be different. We had a thousand people and they absolutely loved it. So then wow. we just penciled in every other month for the next year. And that um, our branding was different. Our music, our DJs were different. And it just, you know, we had David Scalacci, you know, we had still like DC. We, we had so many DJs that no one else could get because we were in such a cool club. Yeah. You know what I mean? As I say, Hotspins yeah. 82, we gave him his first bit of London booking. You know, we had um, Adam Shelton. We had... we. Our last event, we even had um, um, oh, who's doing? Oh, I can't even remember. Now. I have to go through all the uh, all, all of the flyers and the artwork and that. But we just had some super cool DJs playing. Yeah, and, man, um, some heavy hitters. For sure. Yeah, uh, and we we had we had the last night there, and I uh, got a call on the Sunday, and um, they said you need to get up here back as I was living down the coast. And they said you need to get back here on Monday if you want your decor back because. Um, it was underneath London uh, Bridge train station, and British yeah. Railroad re- re- reclaimed the club, and they shut uh, down cable completely because they wanted to extend their uh, their yeah, their, their platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the southeast line. So yeah. um, they lost the club, and I lost my residency in uh, you know our beloved uh, cable, and mm. it was just it was another knock for us. But that's where it changed the sort of dynamic of what we do now, you know. And how's so, how, go on, sorry, go on. Go on. 
I was going to say, um, yeah, how did you, how did you, how did you navigate that from that closure then? Do you know what? It was really hard because then we had to go back into clubs where we weren't, you know, used to being. We went into Corsica, we went into Lightbox quite a few times. We had some good ones there, but we were, um, it was getting silly. And that was when it was then that the agents were, were putting just crazy prices on DJs that that you just couldn't make in. There was a, the margins are small enough as it is. You yeah. know what I mean? With higher fees, um, branding and promo and the DJ's fees were just getting out of control. And um, then I just thought, you know what? Stop this. And I just had a real like not long break and came back. And I thought, you know what? Things have changed totally. I'm going to go into a, a 350, 400 capacity club. Uh, that was four or five years ago. And that's basing house in Shoreditch. And that's where I still am now. I don't have to have headliners. People come for the brand because they know Connected is going to be a, a good, safe night with brilliant music. And they put the trust in me to book DJs, up-and-coming DJs or, you know, fresh new talent that's going to play good music. And we've got our core crowd, you know, nine out of ten times we sell it out and they're always brilliant parties. There's never any trouble. There's never been any trouble in 18 years of Connected. Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm really proud of. The crowd's always been excellent and um yeah as i say i've got one this saturday which you know we're in our 19th year um, yeah. but i just i'm happy with that now because i had a few things go on in my life where i i just couldn't and i was moving further and further away from london getting older and older not that i've got my foot off the gas because i'm still djing but mm -hmm. so I, was, I know i'm still relevant but as far as putting parties on in london of that size of that magnitude and there wasn't any venues, I thought I'm quite happy to, to work. And I'm good friends with the guys at own base in the house. It's a bloody good club. The sound is incredible. Um, so I'm happy to put, to just now keep it at that size. And I don't have to work with bloody agents that, uh, and, and argue with them all day long and pull out the hair that I haven't got in my head anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I can see the difficultness with uh, booking DJs now because like you say, um people want so much off the top and then the, then you get the dj if they're on and they cram all these events it all you know i've seen it where they fly and fly out you know they're not there to well, enjoy i them mean there, I, you know? I, I touched on it earlier not that sam's ever been um uh, a connected dj but like i gave sam divine her first london booking i gave hot since 82 his first london booking but then you've got djs that did come through connected with the with with me uh left wing and cody they started yeah. with connected um, yeah, um, young Will Taylor was doing some great things. He started with Abode and whatever. He's he started with Connected. Um, I can't think. I mean, God knows that there's 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 been a few. Um, but I mean, I've even reached back to like I'm talking a, a year or two years after they were residents for me. Yeah, and they want like crazy money, and I don't even believe that their agent knows how much they're you know offering them out. And I'm like, really? Well, you know, it, it's mad. It's mad. Yeah. And one thing that I have learned in this industry, you just have very, very thick skin, you know? For sure, um, man, yeah. You really yeah. do. No one's going to do you any favours, and that's the uh, truth. And and like you say, it's all about relationships and, like, who you know and what you know. Exactly. And, and I, yeah. I like to work with a team. I like, and I, it, hence the name Connected, I've always been that way. I would rather push somebody else than push myself. I want to work with a team that wants to work with me. You know, and I find myself doing that with how, how I'm doing it now 
uh, and it's yeah. manageable at this size, 350, 400 capa- capacity club with up and coming DJs, good guys and good girls that want to play and want to work within a team, not play here, there and everywhere for everybody and, you know, dilute mm-hmm. themselves. That's, yeah, yeah. that's how I see it for me personally at the moment in London as a promoter. Yeah, I, I and this is why I wanted to get you on because a lot of people don't know that these big DJs, you were their first sort of leg into the industry. Step up, mate. There's, there's way, loads. Mate. There's probably my mates will watch this back and they'll shout and they'll say, oh, "What about him? What about him?" I mean, my memory's terrible, um, but there, there has been loads. I mean, there's been loads that have gone yeah. on to do huge things that started with me. But that's great. You know what I mean? I'm all I'm I'm all for that. But that's what's about yeah. You know, but I, I don't. Oh, that was it. Of course, Rossi, um, absolutely smashing it now all over the world. And God bless him. In a couple of uh, recent podcasts, he has name checked me, and he has. He's been the only one actually, to be fair, that has you know name checked me and said, "Look, Jesse James gave me my first book in," um, and he is going on to be a superstar. And he also, you know, came through us as well. But you know, it is what it is. I don't want anything from yeah. anybody else. I don't want no. nothing. And, and as I say, we're in our 19th year of running an event. There's not many events in London that can do that that long. And yes, we may have gone like that. And we've gone, you know, we've gone up to 1,200, 1,500 people. I, we had, in 2007, I put David Guetta on in Coco and sold it out on the day. But just wow. before next thing, I think I, I think we paid him something between 11 and 12 can't get him for less than a quarter of a million now you know it's <laughs> you know we we've done we've done some amazing things but then i'm still equally as happy now as i was then with a 300 350 capacity club full yeah. up with decent people and good music yeah i i love that style of venue i mean i know you see these big mega clubs like with like thousands of people but yeah i i, you know, I went to, i've been a course car source bar and things like that and when you've got like you know um, three hundred people. You sort of in that journey, and that, that yeah. you know, you're way more connected to that that DJ and music when they play, right? And that's what I love. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, it's I don't know. Yeah, as a DJ as well, it's a lot more rewarding than just something you know when you're not attached to the crowd or whatever. You it's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and you get a good vibe. I, I also want to pick because you're a wealth of knowledge, and this is why I wanted to get you on as well. Because, um, well, I, I, I have the whole sort of dynamics both ways. I remember I played because I was also fortunate, um, to be a resident, one of the only DJs that was a nobody for Southwest Four Festival, SW4, yeah. for 10 years. And oh. I always played first to literally nobody, but I remember one year myself and Johnny Bloomfield were playing, and um, we got called up we was in the vip and um we was at the bar they come to get us on a on a golf buggy and they was like guys have you got any techno with you and we was like yeah i've got a techno folder oh adam bayer can't make his set so can you play you've got to go on after um local dice now so we played in that tent and there was about 25 people by this time there's ten thousand people so this was a bank holiday so me and johnny went on and filled in for adam bayer in between local dice and marco carolla and we were like <laughs> shitting ourselves. And we was like, have you got this? Yeah, I've got this. Let's do it. We did it. The next day, I had to play in a little, very next day, one of a residency that I absolutely hated with a load of horrible people in the suburbs 
who was screaming at me that I was shit because I didn't have R&B music. And someone threw a glass at me from the dance floor into the DJ box. Oh, oh. And this from an empty dance floor. So yeah. this, is, this is what I'm saying. I go from one end of the scale to the other. So I can speak about quite a lot of DJs. So I've got, yesterday I was playing covering Adam Bayer in 10,000 people. Today I'm getting a glass thrown at me because I don't play rubbish R&B music, pop music. Yeah. To a load of nobodies, so so I was like that was where I was at. So now I just don't do those things. But at, at the point, I would take in any, any booking that would come to me, you know. But where yeah. I am, that little bit older now, I just I just do the things that I know I'm going to love. Yeah, no, that's a learning curve and part of the game, right? Of it is. <laughs> Your ducking <laughs> skills got better. <laughs> yeah, God, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, so I, I I do regularly go through the motions. I'll, I'll have you know, an international booking or a festival set and I, right up there. And then the following week, I'll just be playing to like, you know, 15 people in a, in a bar that, you know, that couldn't care less if I'm there or not. So yeah. it's a life. I would love to write a book, uh, you know, the, 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 the life of a journeyman DJ. I've seen it all, heard it all and experienced it all. Yeah, man. And what I would like to know is like the blueprint of setting up a night. Cause obviously Connected has been around for years like the blueprint of actually setting up a night. I know you've got one this weekend. And when we briefly spoke before, you said like, oh, I'm sorting everything out for this weekend for the, the yeah. event. So what's the blueprint of starting that and getting your DJs and sorting out the venue and all the branding and stuff? I mean, what are you talking about from now whilst it's still going or, or starting one up? I mean... Uh, just, well, starting an event up also. But, I'm never uh, like sure brand, of DJs. Yeah. I'm never sure of DJs. DJs will always... Um, you know, come to me. So I'm never short of that. So I, I like to have a good chat with the DJs and before I book them and, you know, and see what they've done before, you know, learn a little bit more about them. But then, you know, you've got to work. If if you're starting a night, you've got to know the expectations from the club mm-hmm. you, and you've got to give them your expectations and, you know, what exactly it is you want to achieve. Um, and, just don't don't cut any corners. Do you know you start cutting corners, and and you can't just stick an event up on Facebook and expect it to be rammed. You know you've got to get out there. No, we don't have to do the hard things like you used to do, is putting flyers out there, stand outside clubs at six o'clock in the morning, giving out flyers and putting them on car windscreens. Luckily, you don't have to do stuff like that. But you know there are many many ways of promoting your event. Um, you know in this day and age, but you can't just. Put an event on, put a brand in, and just hope for the walk up. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like with regards to um, the DJs, I find a lot of DJs now they want to play like the best set and they want to be in the best oh, time slot and stuff. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. No, I mean the art of a warm up DJ is you know so underrated. Um, again, I have had some fantastic DJs that have come up and they they realise that they are playing in you know. The, the main room or, 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 you know, the club and they're playing the first set. But I've had some DJs that have come in and just crashed it out from 10 to 12. And it's just like, what are you doing? You've got to learn that when, you know, find out your what your set time is going to be from the promoter as early as you can. Um, and as a promoter, if you're going to, with the intention of booking this DJ to warm up, tell them early. Tell them and tell them how you want it. You can't mm-hmm. just have the same top ten beat pork tracks from every single DJ all night long because mm-hmm. the, the crowd don't want to hear that. You know, yeah. 
Um, yeah, the, the, the night needs to be crafted, which is why more often than not, I play the first set myself. You know, yeah. it it's got to be the tone has got to be set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a massive, a massive thing you brought up there because uh, I've been to some events and people get on the first set and they're like, boom, 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 boom. I'm Mate, like, I've had, oh, as, man. As, as, when I've when I've headlined clubs and I've gone in there, the DJ before me is crashing out like one, two, six, one, two, seven. You know banging tech house music and I'm like mm. even my set and I'm playing at like one or two o'clock as the headliner I want to start somewhere so my set's got somewhere to go why yeah. am I going to follow you yeah. you know what I mean yeah. what are you doing you, there's so many DJs that don't understand the art of a good warm up but I guess yeah. that, I guess it comes with experience for sure it does yeah and like you said um, in a uh, you know doing the promotion side like you said I think it's a good idea for people who are looking to start bringing their own brand in is that you speak to the DJs before the event. I always they, do. I speak do you know to them. What I mean? I'd expect so... them tell them at what time I'd expect to book them. I'd, I will tell them what I expect them to bring with, bring their bloody mates, bring, you know, bring people. Otherwise this night ain't going to happen. Yeah. I want them to be on it. I don't want them to be playing anywhere else that weekend. Are you on board or are you, or are you not? Do you know what yeah. I mean? I don't tell them they can't play for anybody else, but you know, I do have expectations because yeah. As, I, as I've said a few times, there are a million DJs out there now and there's another one right behind you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. take this opportunity and work with me as the promoter. Yeah, I know. I think that's good that you brought it up because, in, you know, it's going to, um, whoever wants to start an event and watch this sort of thing and start their own brand, yeah. they, you know, instead of just booking DJs, like actually talking to them, being like, oh, this is how I want it to go. This yeah. is Build a little team. Build a little yeah. team of residents. Yeah, yeah. That's the way forward. You know, but but if you haven't put on any events, you're not really in a position to start, you know, barking at DJs and telling them what they what they got to do. But just mm -hmm. you know, just be surround yourself with like minded people and you know share the wealth. Yeah, mate, that's that's great, great, um, great, great advice. Because, like I said, I want to pick your brain with a lot of stuff uh, that would be a very lot of DJs. Well, they all, I mean. Because everything's so quick now, everything's so instant. They want to just, you know, uh, they just they are running marathons before they they've even started walking. You yeah. know, they really are. They're in. They're all of a sudden they're making tunes. They're they're promoting nights and they're DJing within. That's all great. But you've only been doing this since lockdown. And now, what yeah. are you thinking? Do you know what I mean? Yes, you do yeah. need to be relevant and make tracks and be out there. But learn your craft first. Either do one thing or another. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know I do all three, but I, I've got the luxury of 30 years behind me to be able to do all three. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, um, I know you, you obviously you produce your own music and one of your latest releases with uh, remixes from Huxley and stuff like yeah. that. So what was your first ever track that you made? What year was well, it? Well, I, um, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to sit here. I have to have an engineer. I've, I'm, I have the luxury of having friends that are engineers, I have friends that I make music with, okay? I've got the patience of uh, a three-year-old. I can't sit in the studio for hours on end. It drives me mad. So yeah. I need always need people that I can, you know, I'm an ideas man, okay? I've got samples come, coming out of my ears. I've got ideas for days. But I've always had to work with people, whether it be an engineer or another producer. I think first track of any that did anything really was a track called Baby Boo, um, which was on Love Not Money Records. I remember and that. That. Did that did really well. That was 2013. And that ended yeah. up getting loads of remixes from like As I Am, Sam Devine did a remix, um, A-Lister, 
real nice. There was about six or seven remixes uh, out there. They're all on YouTube. That was a real nice, soulfully sort of mellow track. That was. I've never gone into the studio and come out with the idea that I went in with. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, something, yeah, yeah. Something always different happens as you, as you're creating the track. Um, and so I didn't set out to make something so soulful, but it just that's what came out. And mm. um, it did really well. I, yeah, as I say, that was um, 2013, so 11 years ago. Um, but I've always, you know, worked and I've collaborated with really good producers and worked with really good studio engineers. That's wicked, mate. 2014 is when I, I was... I, I, my first release was 2012. That was an Arch 44. No yeah, release, no... and about, and about, around about then that sort of time 2014 yeah. when i had a release on there as well yeah, yeah i released i released on there yeah in 2014 as well and um i was well surprised i got played by roger sanchez steve lawler brilliant i was just like yeah I was, I was like fucking hell like this is a big thing like you know and yeah it's a buzz such, yeah it's such a good feeling and one yeah. thing i do want to uh highlight is um you keep like you mentioned a lot about teamwork and collaboration, which I think yeah. we lack a lot of that in the music industry today because a lot of people want to be better than everyone. But you've yeah, mentioned a lot with producing, DJing, branding, have a team yeah. in the crew. Everything that's I've, what it's all about. Over the, even over the years back, I've never been averse to, to putting events on with other promoters as well. Yeah. You know, I, back when we you know, first started as we were blowing, I would do events with um, uh, the select radio guys and um, also the Red Velvet guys. In fact, uh, three weeks ago, we hosted the bar, uh, the 103 bar at Ministry of Sound for Select for their night, uh, Radio Warriors. So I still do work with people, but you're yeah. right. And that is where the name Connected comes from because I love working with people that are on the same wavelength as me usually yeah. they're the same age as me don't get me wrong but <laughs> i do you know i'm 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 of that sort of mind that you know two heads are better than one two brains are better than one just just fresh ideas around and work with people that will work with you um you can't do it all on your own no you know? it's, a lot, it's, it's a lot of work and you know, it, but again like that's where the rave all starts from you know creating like little yeah little uh you know events in the field and parties yeah. and stuff like that you know it's that's what it's all about having a team if you're going to go and attack yeah. this and and think that you're going to work on your own and not work with anybody at any level whether that yeah. is producing promoting or djing you're mad you're not going to get anywhere just by just you know just this is me i'm on my own you're not doing you know i'm not working with a team it doesn't work that way yeah i yeah. In, you know, like you say teamwork I think is is lacking in the industry a bit now and it's good to yeah. hear that it needs that do you know what I mean I'm glad you highlighted yeah. that when in all aspects of your career and like you know the brands the mm -hmm. DJ career the producing career all that sort of stuff so don't get me wrong I mean more time I'm a bit of a bloody control freak and I do take the lead in these <laughs> in these instances yeah for uh, sure because, yeah. but I don't ever sort of dominate somebody but you know if you're to work with me you're someone that knows me anyway do you know what I mean yeah. I wouldn't just work with a stranger you know, or a strange brand or a strange DJ or, and, you know, click. They're always, they always turn out that they're friends anyway. So people know me. Um, but yeah, at the moment, as I say, just happy, just doing, plodding along, doing my thing, you know. But I think at some points throughout your career, you've got to work with others in this industry to progress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, actually, going back to Baby Boo, that track, my, my mate, uh, 
don't know if you remember him. His name was Luke Hall, Lucas or Lucas. And uh, we played in... Um, I'm terrible with names, though, to be fair. We played in Lightbox and he played your track. This was years ago. This was probably like, yeah, 10 years ago. And uh, I was like, fuck it. And, and I remember watching you and Johnny Bloom. I used to see Johnny Bloomfield at Source quite a bit as well. Mm -hmm. But that was like, you know, a, a good night for me. You know, I, I liked, yeah. you know, that was the, a cool sound. Yourself, Johnny, Rob Cockerton, you know, um, yeah. Pete Griffith, Grant Nolder. All these guys yeah, that can... played there, Scott Rosario and Mike Derry, all these people used to... Yeah, all good friends you know, of mine, every single one of those names. Yeah. Yeah, all great DJs, all great lads. And, you know, it was like Paul Neary, another one, and all these yeah. guys were like, you know, I, I used to, when I was producing, I used to come love watching out, like supporting that local, do you know what I mean? It yeah, was so brilliant. good yeah. to back in I there, think yeah. there is a click there doing that at the moment. It's just that I'm so old, I don't know any of them. But I think there is, and there will always be, especially when it comes to the Source Bar. You know, it's it's groundbreaking. But at one point, it was the place, wasn't it? In Kent, oh, people would mate, people yeah. would flock all over to go to Maidstone. People would come down from London to go clubbing in Maidstone rather than the yeah. other way round. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know now. I don't play there, so I don't know how it is. But we we had connected in there. That was down to um, Rob Cocker, and he brought us in there. And we we had we had Huxley there. We had Jordan. We had. Um, we had Sam Devine. We had some big names. We had connected in there probably ten times. Yeah, but yeah. it's so it's so strange how things are now that the, the the I mean, other than the owners, they're still the same owners. But I'm talking about the, the crowd and the promotions manager wouldn't even know who connected is now. Yeah, it's, we've now gone on to 2024. We are miles away now, you know. Yeah. But that's that's cool as well. You know, they they're still getting cutting edge DJs that, down there. Then I'm sure they always will. Yeah. How do you think the uh, going on to how do you think the scene's looking forward like moving forward now? Um, I think it's I think it's healthy uh, because there's some brilliant music being made, but there isn't. We've you know, and, and this is nothing new. Where 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 it changed from vinyl to digital, the quality control isn't there because before they wouldn't if you was a, a, you was making a track they wouldn't press it if it wasn't brilliant because. Yeah. Who's going to take the risk on on that? You needed you needed to know that it was going to sell. I mean, I, I, some of the numbers that I've been told recently that uh, that, that Beatport get on every week. You, you, you're talking like I don't know how many hundreds. I don't know how many thousands of tracks a week go on Beatport, but there's only a very very small amount of them that are really good. Yeah, but yeah. there are some great producers out there at the moment. There's some there's some really good ones up and coming, and you know they're doing well. So I I think the scene that I, I don't know about so much in London, and I don't know if we'll ever get back to these touring DJs that tour uh, every city in the UK, like the old days, the old Brandon Block and Seb Fontaine and those guys that were playing every single town around the country. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think they'll ever get back to that. But you know the major cities are still doing it. But um, yeah, I think I think it's easy. Easier than ever with the social media um, aspect. Mm -hmm. So obviously you've played a lot of venues and you've played around Europe. Am I wrong right there? Yeah, I've played all over the world. So what, where, whereabouts have you played around the world that's like sort of stuck out to you and like, you know, been a um, good place? That you've enjoyed I've played playing? in Italy quite a few times. Uh, I played in Bali three or four times. Obviously I played in Sydney when I, when I was a kid, when I was 18. Mm -hmm. um i've played germany 
I've played Holland. I've, I played regularly in Amsterdam. Uh, love Amsterdam. Um, where have I played? I've played Thailand. I've played um, uh, just loads of places. But Italy is really cool. Yeah, yeah I've been for more times than I care to remember. Uh, yeah. I was in IB for last year at the Ocean Beach Club. For uh, I played for Soul Town Festival, which is a good friend of mine, Joe Courtney. He's doing some brilliant things at the moment. He runs a great festival here in uh, Beckenham um, every year. And he did um, a, a great day at Ocean Beach last year. And um, I, I was lucky enough to play. I played with Lewis Wright from the Artificial Colours. Yeah, so, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, see, no, Artificial was... Colours, Connected oh. Residence. Yeah, so, mate. yeah. That was that was last September. That was brilliant. Um, yeah. So, no, I mean, like, they they did some great things. Those boys. Oh, their, their music, mate, is like I love that style of music. I yeah. miss that style yeah. of music. And that's that's what that's what I was saying about when we when we went to Cables Connected. They were our residents, and that was we changed. We dramatically changed it from like banging tech house and electro house down to that. That sound sort of deep new disco yeah. deep house sounds and the, we luckily we had three rooms to play with in there and then we had the red room there which got a bit tougher and um yeah but those, those guys they they came with some absolute bangers didn't they back oh. in uh, <laughs> yeah 2011 to 2013 those boys were doing it yeah on mad tech records and stuff like yeah. that it was fucking yeah. real good music yeah good what time for music what was it like playing in like Bali and all them sort of countries? Like, what sort of difference did you see like when you're playing in them different countries, like compared to the well, I um, I got flown out. Uh, I think three times to Bali to do the first time I did it was for, for a beach, uh, like a five star resort, and I played all through. They called it the Twelve Days of Christmas. So I mm -hmm. went out there and I played all through Christmas, and it was myself. I think Darren Emerson from Underworld and uh, Chris Coco, uh, who plays that real sort of beach deep house kind of, um, you know, fantastic sound of music. It was uh, us three DJing on rotation all throughout the uh, Christmas period, New, New Year period. But then I got a um, booking in the centre, and um, which was in a nightclub to be sort of, an underground deep tech set on Christmas Eve. And that, I mean, I was on my own and I just wish that some of my mates were with me because it was so good. It was so yeah. good. It was a mixture of Australians, English and Thai people, not Thai people, Balinese people, sorry. Um, and they were just having it. They they, they, were, they love it, you know. Um, so cool. Yeah, and, 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 and indeed um, the Italians as well love playing in Italy. Uh, they, they, they love it as well. That's so cool, man. You played yeah. all them sort of venues and stuff, and yeah. And again, as I say, I love playing in Amsterdam. We do. Um, I've got um, I've got connected in Amsterdam in May, in May the, on May the 9th. So we did two last year, two the year before. We're, we're doing one this year. Um, and we, we take we. I think we took about 120 people over last time. Oh wow! Yeah, mainly how'd from you, Kent. How do you even organise all that? Like, how's how's that all plan out? Well. <laughs> It's what I do for for a living, you know. For sure, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah no. So initially, I went over there and did a recce and had a chat, and just me and my girlfriend just tried to massively avoid the uh, the coffee bars, and the, so we didn't get too, you know. We just went in cold calling and said, "I'm a promoter from London. Would you like us in here? And we'll bring a load of people and blah blah blah." And then I oh, used school. my brain, and um, we, we we you know we brought a load of DJs over that were going to be over for the uh, music on festival. So we 
uh, we do the night before the music on, music on festival starts. Mm-hmm. The music on festival starts on Saturday the tenth of May. Connected is on Friday the 9th of May. So I speak to people that are going to be coming over for it. Yep. All the DJs. That, oh, you coming over? Yep. Yeah, okay, you can play for Connected. And then we do the night before, do a free party, and it's rammed. It's great. That's wicked. Mm. It's good that you do, you mentioned that because you're doing it the old school way, which I think is the best way is showing way your home. face. Showing no, your face to. and, yeah, like showing your face and just being like, hey, man, I'm a promoter. As well, yeah. a lot of people now it's like over Instagram, right? Or just a message, you know. You can't beat think... that face-to-face thing, you know. No. Nah. You, you can't beat it. And that's nah, why nah. I say to people, if you want to play for me, I don't know who you are. Come to yeah. my event and meet me. Talk to me. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's why I say to people, it is face-to-face. It, I, I don't know. You could tell me anything, you know, and you yeah. could turn up and you're a load of shit. But if you're serious and you want to play for me, come to the next, because there's always going to be connected events. Come to the next one and we'll chat. Um and that's that goes a long way. I feel. That's yeah. That's, it does, man. I'm glad you you you've brought that up because I think people need that kind of advice and hear it. And you don't hear yeah. much of that now. It's all about who can fight the biggest hitter and who can do this and do yeah, that. Yeah, now more than ever because yeah. I, I, as I keeps for saying, there's so many bloody DJs out there. You, yeah, yeah. That does set set you aside from all the others. I must get, and this is I'm not even you know I can't imagine how these big promoters how many they get, but I must get around 10 messages a week from D- at least from DJs asking me if they can play for me. Yeah, And yeah. they're obviously blanket messages. And most of them are, hi there, I love the look of your night. You look great. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like copy and paste, copy and paste. They put that out to every promoter that they can see. Some of them go, hi, Jesse, you know, connected and what have you. And, and I'm sure they are genuine. But the first thing I'll say is tell me a little bit more about yourself. Send me a mix. Have you been to Connected before? If not, why don't you come to the next one and come and meet me? Mm-hmm. And if they don't show, I don't hear from them again. They weren't serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I will give people their break. Yeah, you know, I yeah. show testament to that to all the bloody DJs that have gone on and done great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely got the resume for it and the proof. I mean, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um. What What events stood out to you the most? Like when you you've played? I mean, you know, I know you've played like a ton of events, but what one stood out to you the most that really like hit you and thought, "Wow, this is surreal." Um. Obviously, every year when Southwest Four was happening, that yeah. that was a big thing. Um, I warmed up for Swedish House Mafia at Brixton Academy. I played a few times on the main stage. At ministry, sorry, in the main room. I played on the main stage at Coco. Mm-hmm. And just two years ago, I got a booking to play for Hacienda at the um well, the, uh, the docks, the tobacco docks, um, nice. along with like legends. Um, I was looking through some old artwork the other day, and I remember um, there was a club, um, I don't think it's there anymore. It's uh, it was called Proud at in Camden, the stables. And um I remember that. It, yeah. yeah. Well the guy yeah. the guy Barry, he who runs Steel Yard now, he was I met him from when he was managing table. And he knew that I could do the business and draw cuts. He, he used to book me. But what they'd do is they'd put me on with some big like headliner, or I'd headline it. But I warmed up uh, for Fabio and Groovider. It was just <laughs> Fabio and Groovider and Jesse James. Yeah. Uh warmed up for Marshall Jefferson and Jesse James. My good friend Grant Nelson. I, so I, I used to love doing that for him as well. That was a real honour. Um, yeah. As I say, I mean, I have to, I've done some 
I probably missed out loads, but I have done some some amazing things. I played at some wicked festivals, Creamfields North and South last year, um, and which I'm doing again this year, Creamfields North for, for the Soul Town guys. Um, mm. There's been some amazing highlights, but as I say, they go hand in hand with all the other things that I have to do, you know, to earn my uh, to my living. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. all it's not all highlights. As I say, I'd love to write a book. The yeah, I, journeyman I, DJ. I think you should write a book, mate, because uh, you've been in the game for a long time, and uh, yeah. you know. Well, if I there's mean... anybody out there that wants to hear my story and that can help me, and you know, any publishers, get in touch because I've got I have got some tales to tell. Yeah, I'm, I mean, hopefully I, I can, maybe this will help you out with that. Maybe uh, someone's watching yeah. who's a book genius. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know. Mm. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, do you know what? I, I, I want to pick your brain at so much sort of stuff because it's <laughs> been so many years. Um, quite, I've got so many questions. Um, with regards to... Uh, sort of new DJs now um, sort of trying to keep relevant. I mean, it's very hard to keep up with all these trends and things like that. And it's deflating. I know because everyone has like a full-time job and everyone has this and that. Yeah. Um, and obviously I know how you started and you do, like you said earlier, you do like three things at once, you know, you're yeah. doing the promoting. So how, I'm how you... a lot of plates. Yeah. I mean, so how, what advice would you give to people trying to juggle all this you know, trying to make something of themselves or, you know, well, trying to I mean, do the, the main thing is like just pass on my, um, you know, advice that I got that day as an 18 year old from Sasha start your own lane, start your own, whether it's your own sound or your own brand. Branding is very, very important and your own lane. And, you know, like what Patrick Topping did and has done, you know, I mean, he's created his whole sort of, sort of sound and label all within his little brand. You know, you can do that now with with or without help of a management on social media, especially the young'uns, because they're so, you know, they're fresh to it. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do a million things at once, but just don't give up and, you know, it, it will click eventually. Yeah. If you're serious about it. Yeah. But uh, I also wouldn't advise diluting yourself and right as a, as a first, you know, a new up and coming DJ of just taking any booking and anything you can take, you know, whether it be two, three things a night, you know, not getting paid for any of it, just, just to show that you're, you're getting work because that's no good to anybody. Um, where team up with somebody like somebody that wants to bring you in the fold or create it for yourself. If you've, and if you've got a, you know, a lot of these DJs that are from, out of London that have got their own, um, you know, like, I, I can't explain it. Some like, you know, if you're in a little village or a little town in the in the area of, like, Cambridgeshire or something and they've got a late bar there, just drive that bar mad until they give you a date and that's the only thing in your town and everybody will follow you. Build it, build it and build it until uh, there's, you know, you've got a good, strong following and then move it into a bigger city or a bigger town and take people with you and you'll be amazed how quickly it grows. Yeah, there's mix the old sort of ways with the new ways. I don't know if what I'm saying is coming across, but that's what I the advice that I would give. No, I think any advice is good advice. Don't call I mean, yourself out is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't, over, don't uh, overdo it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And how would you like? 
I mean, you say you get you get a lot of large numbers come to your events. How do you initially build up that audience and that 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 sort of following for anyone that's sort of starting well, out? Well, but but I use you know by putting on good events with and there's no, I mean, yes, as much as I say, get your friends involved if all your friends are DJs as well. But if you've all got the same group of mates, that's pretty pointless. Reach out to someone in a different town and that's just equal to you doing what you're doing and team up with them. And then you've mm. got their mates, your mates, his mate, her mate, your girlfriend's mates. Do you know what I mean? Bring it in like that and just build it out organically like that. Because unless you're putting on a headliner that people want to see, they're not going to, the, the crowd ain't going to come to you. Do you know what I mean? Unless they're yeah. your followers, you know? Yeah. And, and how, like if someone can't afford um, like a headliner, how well, do they? Do exactly the way I said yeah, yeah. Just you know, build, build it up, build your lane. Yeah, yeah. Because you know I think I, mean? I think a lot of people that I've met, they want to book a headline and thinking that's going to be their biggest exposure for their event. And like you said, like you've done with Connected, building it from grassroots, having that. that you know yeah, I mean? and then you can have yeah. the luxury of putting on headline, and then you can have your like, you know, because it does. Once you hit a certain number, then that is the next, uh, the next step to go to that. Go yeah. from a hundred people, one hundred and fifty people to the to once you've got that, then if you can afford, then you know you can afford a, a headliner of some level, especially and there's, there's headliners and there's headliners, there's headliners that everyone will know, but then what a lot of DJs get sort of misunderstood about is what they call a headliner. Your girlfriend and her mates don't know who, who that is because they're, they're just they're just a producer. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It needs to be someone that's done something of a level where, you know, you're every, everyday Joe They're established, yeah. knows who it is. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, honestly, this advice is, is just going. Because all you're going to get, all you're going to get yeah. is a load of DJs turning up that already want to play at your event anyway, already playing there. And the only people that are going to get excited about it are you and the DJs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it it I, needs I, to transpire to, as I say, the, the, the girls, the, you know, their mates or your your group of mates that are not into DJing. If you guys say, I've got so-and-so playing, they'll go, oh, all right, great. But they need, if it's a name that they've heard on the radio or something like that, it needs to cross yeah. over without being commercial. Yes. It's probably, this is the way I've always tried to get my, when I did headliners, when I had headliners, that I don't have to do anymore, thank God. Um that is another piece of advice I would give. There's no, I mean, if only you and your DJ mates know it is, are they really a headliner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? No, I think I think what you've brought up is is uh, is good. And uh, again, uh, the knowledge is just a lot of people don't hear this sort of stuff now. And you know, because social media show, I say this in every episode, but social media shows this picture of fifteen second fame. Or yeah. fifteen second success, but they don't see all the the hard work behind all that, you know. And they yeah. think that guy's just smashed it online. Um, that means I need to do that, and the only way I can be successful, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. quite defeating, and in, in, in they don't see that success straight away. No. And so when you with you explaining this whole story of how you started and how uh, growing it from this is just the way it's worked for me. I mean, yeah, mm. I mean, there are, there are, there aren't, there are a million different ways of making it in this industry. For sure, you know, yeah. you can, and it's especially if you are a young talent, 
you can do it from one or two tracks that just luckily get signed, tour room signed you or defected signed you or something like that. Then you, you lucky sod, you you have done it that way. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. it, but there, you know, there are ways of you making it by building a brand by putting events on, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. really going to happen for me right now. Cause I'm, you know, I'm God knows how old I am. Like, it's not, but I, I mate, I'm just happy that I don't have to go and get up on a Monday morning and dig holes. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm happy what, with what I do. But if you're young and you want to go right to the top straight away, there are various ways, of different avenues of you doing it. But just sure. the main way I would say is build your own lane. Yeah, no, that's good advice, mate. You know, it's, any advice is valuable advice to someone, do you yeah. know, out there. Yeah. So what's what's the future for yourself, Connected? What's in the pipeline? Well, for the first tip of time... I mean, I would say it's uncertain because, as I say, I am getting older and I, I don't know what the next steps are going to be with me. No one really wants to see a 50-year-old DJ out there, you know what I mean, still uh, plugging away. But, you know, it's it, – I'm just happy at the way things are at the moment. You know, I, I'm um, production-wise, there's – there's some really cool tracks coming out. There's a lot of collaborations that I'm going to be doing as well. As I say, I've got connected, booked up to the end of the year. I've got some festival sets booked in this year. I don't really look, I mean, I've got Amsterdam. I don't look too long-term now. Um, I don't need to take connected. I don't want it to be the biggest brand in London. I don't want it to be the biggest thing since last because I've done that. You know, I'm mm -hmm. quite happy now doing that. Um, people, I love still love going out DJing, which I do week in, week out, because people know that with me, they're going to get good music. Um, I've got that knack of uh, selecting great tracks and making people dance. Um, as long as I've got DJ bookings and I can throw a party here and there and put a track out now and again, I am, I'm blessed. I'm very, very happy. Yeah, mate. And I'm also getting married this year. Oh Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's taken, taken up a lot of a uh, lot of my time this summer. Yeah, so that's another uh, play to that's another play to juggle as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Luckily, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of friends that are DJs, so I haven't got to pay out for any DJs. Uh, that's that's one thing that is sorted. But yeah, looking forward to that getting um, getting getting married this summer. Oh, mate, congratulations! That's thanks, freaking, man. Cheers, yeah, mate. Well done, mate. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so, no things things are really good at the moment. I'm very happy and content. I think that comes with age because I was never content. Um, I would say I wasn't happy, but I was always searching for the next thing and yeah, just yeah. driving people mad. And that yeah. is another thing that actually, when, when I first started, I used to expect so much from my friends. Got to be there. You got to be there. You got to be there. I used to drive them mad to the point where I had so many people out of the term of Jesse, you, you know what I mean? And the day when I realized you got to put parties on for people that are not your friends. And, and when you can do that, I mean, I go to my events now, and if my missus ain't with me, I don't know anyone in there. I don't, I'm yeah. on my own, and I love yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, when I first started, you can rely on your mates, but your mates can't keep supporting you. Do you know what I mean? They're there yeah, for yeah. the beginning, and they will be your mates forever. But do you know what I mean? That's another bit of advice. I, I used to expect so much from people, but now I don't. Um, and I, I guess that comes with with being a, a, a bit cynical and a bit, you know, with age. But... Um, I'm 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 very content now, whereas I, I I hadn't been before. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's uh, you know I think you know uh, you, your friends are not not because they don't want to be, but I think because they live their their busy lives, they can't be at every event. Yeah, right? everybody's so got shit going on. on. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. 
you so know, and they will be there to start with. They'll be there as much as possible. But you know, um, it's as a promoter, you can't expect everyone to to be there for you all the time. Yeah, but, and, and that's another thing as well. I'm going to chuck in there is a lot of, and I don't think you know. I had Jordan Peak on the show. Um, yeah, I watched it. I saw it. Yeah, he's actually was... coming back to play for me. It's, it's great because we've reconnected again. He's coming back to play at Connected at Basin House in July. Um, and I'm I'm so happy to have him back, and I'm really pleased that he's back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, yeah, um, yeah he's a great talent, a great British talent, and I think he will go again and get the success again that he had. Yeah, I mean, I watched Jordan years ago, and when I got him yeah. on, um, you know, obviously we all know the same sort of people, right? Yeah, you know, yourself, me, and him, and uh, we're just connecting the dots and stuff, and um, you know, and he he uh, he is. He's like, mate, any, any help you need, I'm I'm happy to help. And yeah, I was like, oh, brilliant. mate, I appreciate that. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? And I, and I love that is. about all this. Do you know what I mean? Again, and that's and that brings it back to what we were saying. You're working with people, and you and you have to in this industry. Yeah, and yeah, it, totally. You know, I've 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 been fortunate to have like yourself on and other lucky people like T Williams. I had on. Yeah. Um I had uh Hector on. Hector was so so Hector flew in, you know, and I was in Vancouver at this new club that's open called The Vault. It's absolutely it's an old bank uh money place thing, right? And uh um he was like, Yeah, man, I'll help you out for sure. He's like I said, Oh, I'll come and watch your event 2015. You and Nick done the the social like the saved event there. Yeah at Source Bar, and he was like, Yeah, I remember that man, yeah, I'll come and and do you know what I mean? He was, and when I was yeah, to him, I was like, I was like, I'm doing this basically, you know, for me, for my family to be able to, you know, get away from my old, my normal career to this, right? And yeah. Back into music again. And he was just like, oh man, I've got a family. I'm more than happy to help. And that, I was just like, mate, this is what it's like, you know, should all be like. about. Yeah. And I love all that. And yeah. Definitely, you know, it's 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 just amazing. It's amazing that, like you say, the people that you've had that you've given a leg on. It's amazing the people that you've met, and that I, I'm fortunate enough to meet through doing this as well. It's like it's so many like amazing people, and, yeah. and another. I had another guy on called Mike Salvion. He he's from New York. He was a great, you know, helpful. Uh, Justin Martin. I was Legend. I was I was doing a. Um, I take my podcast to this festival in, in Canada called uh, Base Coast, and okay. they have a lot of big DJs there. Um, Ivy Lab Boys were there, and Interplanetary Criminal, and all these big DJs were there. And um, I just texted him and said, "Hey man, would you want to come on the show?" And he just said to me, "Just a little Instagram text, a message," and he replies back straight back to me. He said, "Yeah, I've just landed. Do you mind if I do my set and then we'll do it after?" Oh, nice. And I was like. If you want to, yeah, you sure? He's like, yeah, that's fine. And then, um, you know, and then uh, I got him on, and then we was there for like two hours. And his manager was like, "Come on, we got to go." He's like, "No, no, 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 I'm just gonna have a few beers with these boys and still chat." And great. And then from that, I got Ardalan on the guy. He sort of helped build up, and all them connections, you know, like you like yeah, you say true. with your yeah. brand, you know, the connective thing, right? It's all that's it. part of it, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's wicked. Yeah, you need people uh, like that too. Otherwise, it, the, the thing won't go anywhere. No, and people that have you got know? that, you know, like yourself and people that have got big and done, there's always helping the little guys still, do you know what I mean? They're always yeah, helpful. I, I, I'd say uh, it's about 50-50 because there are some yeah. that, you know, that especially, you know, 
I always liken it to like the football league. You got your um your Premiership DJs and you got your your Championship DJs and you got your League One and League Twos. You know, but some of those guys right at the very top um, are a lot more helpful than the ones that are struggling down the bottom. Who really do believe they're just touring DJs and they're lucky mm. to have that. Who really do believe their own hype and they don't do nothing for no one. You know, and that's yeah, why yeah. they're not right at the top. You know what I mean? Mm. The ones that are mm-hmm. right at the top that have got nothing to prove, they're the best. They're the ones yeah. that will help. If you can get to them, they're the ones that will help for you, advice, play for you, do you know. But it's the ones that believe their own bullshit is the ones I just can't deal with. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's um, 100%, as, yeah. And there's quite a lot of those. But, you know, they're lucky. They're just touring DJs and they're lucky to have that. You know, they've got yeah. big like machines behind them, their agents and their managers pushing them, you know. But the ones that, are, that get right to the top, they're the best ones. They really are. For sure, yeah. Is there anything else you want to bring up, uh, Jesse, like, you know, with uh, regards to, you know? No, yourself, not really, mate. Brand, I think, I think we've, we've just about covered it all. As I say, um, you check out my Spotify and uh, check out, you know, my my social media, Jesse James, sorry, DJ, J, oh, God, Jesse James DJ, got yeah. there in the end, um, and my Spotify for all my latest tracks. And, um, yeah, just, and the connected pages, we're still, you know, we're still relevant. We're still popping. I'm still DJing. We're still here. Yeah. And also another thing as well, like I know you mentioned your age. I think age has nothing to do with it, but we're seeing a lot more of the old school DJs now come out of like their, their sort of uh, their little cabin with their decks and they're getting really well back into it again now, you know? And Yeah. I think that, that uh, you know, Clockwork Orange, uh, the, the re- and, uh, yeah. re- uh, of, of that has, has brought a a lot of careers back, um, yeah. a lot of, and funny enough, uh, they're, they're doing, a, they're doing an Australia tour, uh, starting this weekend in Sydney. And my good friend, Brandon blocks, just got my family, all my family live in Australia. He's just got them all on, on his guest list this, this Saturday. Um, so yeah, that, they've got a lot to be uh, thankful to, uh, like people like Clockwork Orange for bringing some old school careers back as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. As I say, I don't think it'll ever get back to the time where these guys are playing in every little town in the UK, but they're certainly more relevant now than they, they were. They were in the wilderness, a lot yeah, of these yeah. DJs. But Clockwork's back, and you know, I don't know how long the, the, this whole old school sound can last for. But they're certainly riding that wave at the moment, and that's that's a great thing as well. It's not personally what I'm into, but it's like as you say, old school DJs. They're getting their uh, their shot again. Yeah, it's even it's even like. Um... I'm going to quickly bring this up before we finish, but like even vinyl, like vinyl's coming back at such a big rate now. Apparently and, so. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I used to do the show with a, uh, a friend of mine called Craig. He's from, he's from um, Swindon area and he used right. to party in Bristol back in the old days of like, you know, Bristol's a great city. I played oh, there a couple of times. Mate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant I've, city. When people here say to me, oh, where should I go if I want to party? I go, go to Bristol. It is like yeah. the party capital. And, yeah, yeah. I, I've knocked know. on a few doors actually this last year because, um, you know, Connected is, we still do places like Brighton. We still do, um, you know, some other uh, places around the UK, Glasgow. But I, I would really love to put a, a Connected event on in Bristol or, you know, get some more contacts down there. Um, I haven't played there for years, but there's no, it's a cool city. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the people I play, I mean, it's not for me. I, I've done my days of lugging boxes of records around. I, I mean, I love the fact I can go out with my USB stick and my headphones and that's me. Don't get, you know, I, I, I 
paid my dues with vinyl. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I know there are, but then there aren't too many clubs that have got turntables in that I notice. It's not really yeah. an industry standard at the moment. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think that's more for personal home use than, then I don't know if you could be a regular week in, week out DJ and, and just strictly only play vinyl. Yeah, I, I mean, think uh, it's, it's back that much yet. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people here play vinyl. Um, like I was saying earlier, the guy that I started um, the podcast with, um, Craig, uh, yeah, he was from Swindon and uh, I'm an electrician by trade and so is he. And he lives over here and um, we met at, at work on site. And he was like, are you from the UK? He was like, hey, I'm from England. And he said, oh, you, um, as you do, right? Most people from England, oh, DJ. And he's like, yeah, so do I, I've DJ since <laughs> the early 90s. I was like, oh, yeah. And I went around this place and um, he, he's he got all his vinyl that he shipped over from from late, not, from the early 2000s. Wow. And um, he's like, uh, and I had, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but I, we had uh, Junior Tomlin on who used to design all the flyers. Um, okay. Which, we tried to get Pez on, but it didn't quite work out. But uh, Pez, Pez yeah. is a legend. Yeah, but we yeah we had Junior Tomlin on, and Junior, yeah. and we had um, Fat Media Dave, who runs uh, the biggest uh, online archive of all the Ray Flyer art. Okay. And Craig's like uh, said to me, we got them on because Craig's really into all the uh, all the Flyer art. And yeah. Craig, Craig said to me, um, do you want to see all the flyers I've got? He said, I've got, I've got hundreds, hundreds, almost a thousand of them. Really? He goes, yeah. When people used to put them under the wind wipers on the windscreen, so I used to yeah. just take them out and then just fucking take them home and put them in like a sleeve. So he bought all these flyers that he's got. <laughs> and we've we done an episode where we opened them up and the flyers were like, um, you know, you had your, your fabs, your groove, Ryder, yeah, Sasha, Digweed, you know, all these sort of people on the flyers but they were just so well made and then the, as you opened yeah. them up they were like there was one that was a festival that i don't know if they do it like this anymore but you had like a ferris wheel on uh at the at the event and then the games and then yeah uh, all this crazy shit go on you know so yeah. much work put into it and it yeah. blew but, my mind that i met a yeah, guy back here back in those days <laughs> back in the rave days they, they would talk about when they, which people should put a bit more emphasis on now i feel as well is um back it was always like 20k turbo sound and things like that that was a yeah. that was as big as the dj names do you know what i mean the attractions that they had they yeah. you know i sound is seriously important to me very very important and mm. um people should put a bit more emphasis emphasis on um on this you know what club has got amazing sound rather than what djs they're putting on because that's what's yeah. important you know yeah definitely but um, unfortunately the dj has become the sort of visual aspects and the main seller of an event but it yeah. should be everything else it should be everything else that what you're doing you know? I remember. I remember when I played at Mojo and Rob sorted that how he got Loved that it, yeah. sound sound done to a T. There, he got Martin yeah, audio brilliant. in, and he said, yeah. "You know." And I remember uh, you probably remember this as well. Uh, the laser lights, the yeah. straight light, and then the bass boxes at the back. That's why people perfect. had such a good time there. Because can you yeah. imagine if it's Tim Pot shit sound system? People, yeah. you just, people would just go out there with their, with their head banging and their ears ringing. They wouldn't yeah. go back there. You know, yeah. it, people they need a good sound system more than they think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's quickly like what... why I love basing house so much. It's, it's got function one throughout. And if you stand at a bar 
And it's only a small club. The speakers, there ain't no speakers by the bar, so you, you, you think it's not very loud. But then when you walk towards the dance floor and you're in the middle of the dance floor, you are getting this audio coming from all angles. Crisp, loud, bassy, just really warm sound, you know? Yeah, and yeah. even the DJ booth, the monitors, have got two big Function One monitors. It really helps. Yeah, and and that's when when I first started. Rob gave me my first uh, go in sports bar. He said to me, "The sound you should walk out of a club and you shouldn't have ring any ringing in your ears. It should be done 100%. down to T." He's exactly uh, right. Yeah, and that stuck with me like for years. Well, and I thought, oh, when I went into clubs, I was like, oh, come out, my ears are ringing. Yeah, and that kind of goes on to this. I want to bring this up actually because DJ Mag brought this up before we finish up here, but um, sort of hearing protection and hearing when it comes to clubs. I mean. You know, I don't. How have you looked? At, how have you looked after your hearing? Well, I'm really you lucky because, but going by as you can see the bins, I'm more going blind than my ears. I don't know how. I touch wood. I don't have any problems with my. And I've played, as I say, week in week out. Mm -hmm. uh, I have selective hearing. Don't get me wrong with my misses, but <laughs> yeah, um, that's just I don't have things. a problem. <laughs> I know that a lot of DJs do uh, have um, have mouldings, uh, have have um, earplugs, but I don't. I've never had to have them so i'm yeah. very lucky i'm very yeah. very lucky i have more problems with my eyes i've got bigger problems to worry about than my ears they're they're actually fine as far as i'm aware um mm. so yeah but you're right i mean you can't put a price on your your ears and your eyes and things like that so you know if you feel like you you, you need protection then do that yeah. but i don't also know how pos how i would feel I don't, i'd feel weird having them in and then putting my headphones in on i don't know because I, I I like to have it. If, if I've got a good monitor, I'll have it loud and bassy, you know, especially yeah, yeah. in the mix. Um, but yeah, horses for courses. But I'm luckily I, I I'm lucky I don't have to have um, earplugs in. Yeah, I've started wearing them when I've gone out. So I have slight slight tinnitus in my right ear. Right, it doesn't affect me, but very. Do you with them? Uh, I do, yeah. But when I produce as well, because even though I haven't released music for a while, I still fucking make music. I still love right. getting on there and doing it, right? Um, but I, I hear it when I'm tired and I hear it when I'm a little bit stressed. But other than that, I don't hear it when I sleep or anything like that. Oh, good. But, I, I, but it, you know, I'm hearing these stories of where, you know, like these DJs is, you know, they I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but um, they've got such bad tinnitus and it's just constant ringing all the time. Oh. And I, and yeah, I, no, I, heard, now. I heard um I heard Waff on another po uh, podcast recently. He was talking about it, but then again, he, he said that he couldn't DJ with um with, with him in, so he was taking mm. him out anyway when he was getting to the club, um yeah. and it because he felt it felt alien to him. But he's got bad tonight, and I, I I I feel for people that do, but I'm luckily I don't. But yeah, yeah sod that, sod that. Yeah, no, Which, it's, well, this uh... is another reason why we need good sound systems in places. That's kind of why I brought it up, yeah, because obviously, um, you know, you mentioned the sound system stuff and uh, uh, and when people start events, I, I, you know, I say to them, just make sure the sound is is the best before it's anything It's so important. Yeah. It's so important. It really is. It's, just, it's as important. That's why they used to have it on going back to the flyers. Mm -hmm. They'd put what system they would have on their flyers. Yeah. You know, yeah. sound, security, And the music are the three very important parts of someone's night out, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if you yeah. get to the door and you and you and you get 
you, you get mugged off by the bouncer. You're going into the club already, like bouncer, but you know the, the, the door person. Um, yeah. You're already going in the club in a bad mood. If you go in there and your ears are ringing, you're coming out in a bad mood. You yeah, know, yeah. It, everything needs to, those things need to be right for you know the person's experience of a night out. I feel. Yeah, yeah. And mine. But, yeah, no, I, I totally agree, mate. I think it's it's good. Um, and I just want to thank you ever ever so much for all the info, hey, your story. Thank you, uh, mate. I hope, you, I hope you've enjoyed it. I have, mate. It's the first yeah. and I'm probably the only one I'm gonna do. So uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You might get some more now, maybe. Well, I'm waiting on that book deal now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Thank you so much, apps. man. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I hope you uh, enjoy the show. Is there anything that you think uh, I could, you know, get better on? You know, I always ask people this question. You know, is there anything you think I could do better? Mate, on? you've been you've been great. You've been brilliant, even from the early technical itches that we had uh, at the beginning. Uh, yeah. No, you, you know, I, I, you're doing brilliant, mate. Honestly, no, I appreciate, it, man. It's, uh, it's not an ego thing. It's just more of a how no. to improve better every day. Totally, this sort of totally. Thing and, you know, no, it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure, mate. No, I appreciate it, Jesse, mate. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, you take care, bro. And uh, I've enjoyed your story massively. So, Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Take care, man.